everybody, welcome to Church Online. No matter where you're watching from, no matter how you found Church Online today, we are so glad that you're here and that we get to spend a little bit of time with you and uh, do church together. And you're joining us on a really special, unique version of Church Online. I'm here with my friend, Pastor Mark Poland from the Discover Church in Philadelphia. Pastor Mark, we're going to show this video to our church. We're going to show this to your church at the same time. You want to give a shout out to Absolutely. your crew. Discover Church family, thank you so much for tuning in once again. We're so glad you're here and we're excited uh, to uh, partner with uh, True Life Church and Pastor Michael and, and share this message uh, with you today. I'm really excited about it today. Yeah, man, we love you and um, I love you. Our, we're going to talk about it here a little bit, how our friendship has has developed sure. uh, through the years. But I want to give you guys a little bit of context around why we're sharing a message together today, today and what we're what we're talking about I'm, I'm sure at this point most of you have read a news headline uh, seen a social media post about what had happened in Georgia recently with a young man named Ahmad Arbery who lost his life tragically in a really awful way and um, it is kind of brought to the surface again um, some issues that exist in our world, some issues that exist in our country around the relationship between people of different ethnicity and color. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about that today. We're going to have a conversation, the two of us. And just to kind of help you get context, Pastor Mark's going <laughs> to kind of just talk a little bit about our friendship and sure. how that's been developing over the last several years. Yeah, and I think um, it's it's one of those uh, storybook uh, friendships. <laughs> and, uh, and and the point I'm making is um, initially uh, when my wife and I were on our journey to uh, to plant a church, we really wanted to be a part of a family, be a part of a network, and um, and part of that journey was uh, us looking. We we found out about Ark, and if I'm honest with you, when I initially looked into Ark. I didn't see a lot of representation. I didn't see a lot of brown faces, black and brown faces uh, like myself. So uh, initially, I, I kind of thought like maybe this wasn't the place for for us to be, and uh, which which led to you kind of starting a church without the family the first yes, time around, right? That is yeah. correct. So we started. We did it all the wrong way. So don't ever do that. <laughs> so uh, and then I met Michael. Um, I guess it was in 2018. I think, yeah, probably June. Yeah, and then. Um, and then we just started having a conversation and I started talking to him, talking to Michael about uh, our feelings and our thoughts. And and we eventually took the risk and we went and, and became a part of ARC. And uh, it, the, the relationship has just fast tracked from there. And we've just stayed in contact uh, with one another. Um, I call, hey, Michael, I'm having some issues. I'm having some challenges. So, um, But it's a give and take relationship. We just uh, call and, and connect with one another. And I'll tell you that over the last two years, um, I think ARC as a whole, the fastest growing population is the diverse population. Yeah. And um, with this situation rising to the surface again, it's uh, caused uh, the organization to have a conversation or have these conversations and they're happening at the highest levels of the organization. And I think it's important because we're family. Yeah, I think it was, it was kind of heartbreaking, honestly, that I remember one of the early conversations I had with you and you talked about having started the church and, and 
were struggling a little bit mm -hmm. and really were on your own and kind of trying to figure out why why wasn't Ark in the picture originally and you and you expressed that to me I just I didn't see a lot of of representation and I thought that's that's kind of jacked up like that's not okay <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean to your credit you you opened up and really are kind of on the leading edge now of, of what's happening within ARC and yeah. so we're, we're kind of proud to get to be a part of that and that's really kind of the motivation behind what we're what we're trying to do here today Pastor Mark and I are trying to model something for you and so at, at times this might seem a little raw okay. <laughs> this might seem a little unrehearsed we've tried to map out a game plan for the conversation but we want to do something here um, that families do you know sometimes families have to have awkward conversations sometimes families need to have a difficult chat about some things and um and so pastor mark and i are, we're, we're really trying to to model that for you and invite you into conversation around equality and injustice and um, reconciliation across racial divides within within our country and and I guess it's it's probably a global problem, but we we have so much history in America uh, around this issue that we need to fix. Yeah, we need to get it right, and um, and so we're just we're gonna have a conversation. We're gonna have some conversations together, and I want to talk to my church family, Tree Life, and commit to you that <clears throat> we're gonna do a better job of talking about this when it's not on the front page of the newspaper, uh, when it's not in the news headlines, because. Our hearts are always drawn towards sin. Our hearts are always drawn towards incorrect perceptions of other human beings around us. And we get selfish and we, we forget what's important. And um, I think sometimes as a church, we do a good job kind of touching the conversation yeah. on the fringes yeah. and skirting around, just saying enough, you know, to keep <laughs> ourselves in the safe place or, uh, but, but we, you know, you and I had this conversation yeah. this week. It doesn't make it to the Sunday morning conversation right. frequently right. enough. Right. Uh, and if we're talking about it like a family, like there's some conversations you need to bring to the kitchen table <laughs> and you just sit down. Yeah. And, you, and so Sunday morning for the church is the kitchen table. Yeah. Yeah. And so we gotta, we've got to bring this conversation to the, the kitchen table. And, and that means the conversations aren't always pretty. Yeah. They're not always safe. One of the things I love about our relationship is... Um, how open yeah. it's been. And I can ask you like, Hey, can I say this? <laughs> can I go there? Uh, I was able to do a video similar to this with pastor Ted Winsley several years ago. And, and I've just been fortunate enough and blessed enough to have several friends in my life who I can, I can have those, yeah. those moments with. And so I'm thankful for that. Um, and it's, so there can be a tough conversation, but it's a conversation we've got to be willing to have, right? Yeah, and I think um, the important thing about these these conversations at the kitchen table is that there's got to be a level of grace. There's yeah. got to be an opportunity where um, I, I know we're friends, and so in, the, in that friendship that I, I know that you mean well, I mean well, so it's got to be grace on both sides where, you know, we're, when we're having these uh, conversations, and I believe that if we're going to be a part of the solution, that these conversations are necessary. There are path forward. Yep. Um, if we're going to be the church 
that God intended us to be, if we're going to be the church that we, we promise that we're going to be, the, the church that's in our vision, then we need to understand is that we've got to be intentional about these types of conversations. Um, one of the things that I'm really reminded of is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says that um, then God said, let us make human beings, and in the, in the NLT version says, let us make human beings in our image and after our likeness. And, and so at the basic core of things, we've got to realize while we're different, we all represent the image of God. We yeah. all represent the likeness of God. So the likeness of God is in me, the likeness of God is in you. And so if we understand that to be the basic truth of scripture, then it has to be our truth as well. Yeah. And this kind of, we, we, we decided to do this after, well, obviously news broke last week. And uh, I guess by the time people see this, this will have been in the news cycle for maybe a couple weeks. But, um, Friday night, you you shared a, on social media just a video, which I really appreciated. Mm. Um, where you kind of took off the mask a little bit and just let people hear how you were feeling sure. Sure. about every. I I I I was crying like I mm. was jacked up watching that video because no if if you really care about a friend, nobody wants to see a friend hurt, right? right? Sure, and um. So called you Saturday, but I'd, I'd love for you just to kind of rehash a little bit yeah. some of what you were processing through yeah. when you shared that. Well, I was crying too, Mike, <laughs> certainly for different reasons. And, um, and for me, part of the video was, um, if I'm honest, part of the video, I, I wasn't angry at the time that I posted it, but I did have some anger yeah. um, because I saw a lot of my friends, both white and black, um, posting videos in a pictures of Ahmad Arbery. And, and I sat there and I thought, I'm like, okay, so everybody's posting pictures today, but what's gonna happen tomorrow when this is in our rearview mirror? I had some uh, thoughts of fear. And I think as you, the closer you get to a situation, the more real it becomes. And while I did not know Ahmad, what I do uh, have that's very similar is that I've got a 19 year old son. Yeah. And so for me, it just brought up a lot of, and I'm a believer obviously, but it brought up a lot of fear because my son is 19 and when this COVID situation is over and he's able to go back to, you know, go to school, he's gonna to go to school, go to college, he's gonna leave our house. And, and for me, part of that video was sharing uh, the pain as an African-American father, um, you know, having a 19 year old son and, you know, having dreams, for, you know, of his dreams, of him accomplishing his goals and the things that he wants to do in life. But those dreams tinge with a hint of fear yeah. that the possibility of getting a call saying that something happened to my son, like that's a, that's a real possibility. Now, yeah. I've got to overcome that with, with faith and prayer, but those are thoughts that are real for me. And, and so I have to have the the talk with my son. I have to, when he leaves the house, you know, hey, text me when you, when you leave, text me when you get there. You know, I've even gone as far as, you know, hey, send me a picture because I want to make sure you're there and text me when you're on your way home. So the circumstances are a lot different. And so the Ahmad uh, Arbery situation really just for me kind of hit close to the home. And I just was overwhelmed with a tremendous amount of uh, emotion. And it brings that to the surface. Yeah. I, th I think it might have been you and I, our conversation where uh, somebody, I don't know if it was in a, in a workplace or where it was, but 
but we were talking about how that word, the talk, yeah. <laughs> means, so in my household, if I'm going to have the talk with my son, mm-hmm. we're talking about the birds and the bees yeah. and <laughs> dating relationships and purity yeah. and all, all yeah. that's, that's the talk. Yeah. In your household, that's, the talk means something else. Yeah, the talk is all about making sure you get home safe. It's how to engage if you get pulled over, you know, um, by the police. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, police are, are bad, right. but it's, you know, for us, for, for an African-American person, it's, it's just a different experience. So I talk to him about that. I, you know, so our goal is always to, hey, how do you get back home safe yeah. in the event that uh, something arises? And that, and that was really what kind of messed me up mm-hmm. was thinking about my son, who, who's only seven years old right now, but you're having conversations with your son that I'm never going to have with my son. Right, right. And it bothers me a little bit mm. that somebody who I love and who I care about has to have this version of life that's so different. Yeah. Um, and so I couldn't not try to do something, right. you know, uh, say something about that. And and this is not a this is not a political issue. No. You know, I want to I just want to say this. Like I think oftentimes we get ourselves caught in these paradigms where we don't think we can stand up for what's right or what's true or what's just without demonizing someone else. Yeah. And that's so not true. So we can stand up for what's right here and it's not a political issue. We don't have to demonize anyone. We don't have to point fingers at, at what we can say is, "Hey, this is what's right and we have a responsibility." Yeah as Christ followers, to do what's right, to stand up for what's right. Jesus, uh, I think, talked about this. And, and it, this scripture immediately came to my mind when I saw a social media post. Uh, a, fr- a mutual friend of ours, yeah. who's African-American, was, had kind of shared some feelings. And somebody else responded, a Caucasian man, <laughs> who I don't know. I don't know the guy. <laughs> but he responded, this is something to this effect. This is why I just keep my eyes on Jesus and eternity. Bad stuff's going to happen. And if I just keep my eyes on Jesus, I won't have to worry about it. Yeah. And I, I, I get the what you meant. Yep. <laughs> but hey, y'all, that's kind of a cop out. Right? I mean, it's kind of a cop out at the end of the day. Because when Jesus tells us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, when, this is the Lord's Prayer. What is one of the things that he tells us to pray? He says, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come here. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So if, if I'm a follower of Jesus mm-hmm. and I've accepted this role, this responsibility to play a part in his kingdom being established on earth, and His will being established on earth, then I don't get the luxury right. <laughs> of sitting back and going, well, you know, I, I shared this when we were preparing for this. Yeah, like, yeah. if my neighbor's house is getting robbed, I'm not going to ignore it and not call 911 <laughs> and just go, well, I'll just keep my eyes on Jesus. Someday we'll be in heaven and nobody's houses will get robbed. That's ludicrous. Yes. But we we use these kinds of thought processes right. to ex- excuse ourselves exactly from the responsibility and it's just it's not okay you guys it's it's not okay and um our job is to to be a part of seeing heaven on earth 
as much as we possibly can. God's will being done here and now. Pastor Mark, I'd, I'd love for you just to talk a little bit about what you think that looks like. What does the kingdom look like? Yeah, and I think um, if you want to know what the kingdom looks like, I think John gives us a clear picture of that in, in Revelation chapter 7. In fact, it, it reads in 7 verses 9 and 10, he says, I looked again. He's, he's looking into heaven. He says, I saw a crowd. It was too huge to count. He says, everyone was there. And look at who he describes as everyone. He says, all nations and tribes, all races and languages. And he says, and they were standing, dressed in white robes and waving palm branches, standing before the throne of the Lamb and heartily singing salvation to our God on, this, on his throne, salvation to the Lamb. And so what that tells me is that God's heart is, is, for, or is for the nations, it's yeah. for, whether it's globally, whether it's nationally, whether it's locally. Um, I think it extends to our houses. So it's your house. It's my house. It's my backyard, your backyard. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's on my street, on your street. It's, it's on your street. So, so God's heart is really for people, people, all people. And I think it's important that we understand that. And, and let me take it one step further. If you don't like people, <laughs> if you don't accept other races, I believe what John, if John was here today, he would say, you're not going to like heaven. <laughs> he was like, yeah. you're going to be surprised because they're going to be every type of person uh, in heaven. And let me tell you something is that like all, in the corner by themselves will not be all the black angels mm. and all the white angels. Everybody's going to be together. And look what it says. It said they were rejoicing and they were singing salvation I, to the I, Lord. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, no, Pastor Mark, good. but we were joking about this earlier. Because <laughs> I, I think, I like history. Mm -hmm. If you study human history, if you stubble, study the global world history, mm -hmm. the history of humanity, I actually think you can make a pretty strong case <laughs> that y'all... Caucasians might be the minority in heaven. See, I can say that, but you can't say that. No, I can't you say can't, that. But I can say we, we Caucasians might be the minority in heaven. Like, like do the research, do the homework. So yeah. we, and, and as pastors, we have a responsibility to prepare you for heaven. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I, no, I, no, I you're good. It. No, the only other point that I was going to make is that I just don't, you know, want you to be surprised. John doesn't want you to be surprised when you get to heaven. And uh, I just want you to know, and even if you look at uh, Revelation chapter five, it says Jesus died or he purchased uh, people. He yeah. purchased all races, all people. So I want you to understand that Jesus didn't die for a white church. He didn't die for a black church or an Asian church or Hispanic church. He died for the church. Come on. And, and I truly believe is that you, we cannot fully experience the fullness or all that God has to offer until we embrace one another. Yeah. I think that's so true. Yeah, and it, it, you know, there's a saying Pastor Dino uses all the time that I just thought of talking about that, and, he, and we've used it in our church before. It's the whole get over your logos and your egos yeah. or your way of doing church or whatever. Yep. It's the kingdom. Yeah. It's bigger than any one of us. Absolutely. All right, so... As Pastor Mark and I were talking about this and doing this taping and having this conversation, we felt like we wouldn't really help you unless we kind of gave you some practical, yeah. like some stuff you can try to do right now. Um, and so that's kind of where we want to go. And we'll wrap it up really just sharing kind of three thoughts we had mm -hmm. as we talked about this, three steps you can take right now to kind of play a part in this. And, and I think these steps cross all yeah. uh, 
ethnic lines. All, all of us can do this. Is this biblical? Um, and that number one is we can, a good starting point for any of us, if you don't know where to start, is start with empathy. Yeah. Start with empathy. Try to, try to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Right. Try to, that was what I was feeling watching your video, so was awesome. empathy. Um, I, put, I imagined myself having to have that conversation so with my good. son, and it didn't feel good. Yeah. It hurt. You want to talk a little bit, just to define empathy a little bit? I yeah, I think, um, you know, to your point, when I think about empathy, I think about, you know, your ability to understand, uh, to be aware of, uh, to also uh, be sensitive uh, to my feelings and to my experiences because my experiences are very different. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, when you demonstrate that, it shows that you're a friend, it shows that you care, it yeah. shows that you're not putting your head in the sand and saying, okay, well, you know, that's not anyone I know or, or no one I know is, is going through anything like that. So being able to, um, to step into that and, and, and kind of experience it vicariously, yeah. it, it, I think it's a huge step. It's yeah. a huge first step. And yeah. it leads and opens the door for some other things. And I think there's some things... Well, let me, let me read this passage of Scripture. The Apostle Paul says this. And I think this is a great Scripture to help us yeah. wrap our heads around empathy. And that I, I think there's actually a spiritual responsibility for us to try to have yeah. empathy towards people. The Apostle Paul says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone... I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. I didn't take on their way of life. I've kept my bearings in Christ. But listen, watch this. But I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, that's, that's where it comes. Enter their world, enter their point of view and we joked about this we're not mm -hmm. going to do it but we thought like <laughs> what if we had a section called stuff white people shouldn't say <laughs> but i do want to there, there's a couple things that i want to address there that i think we well-intentioned people sometimes say but we don't realize what we're giving ourselves as a pass on empathy right, right so we might say things like i don't know what the big deal is i'm colorblind yeah well god's not yeah he he created I mean, the diversity is one of the signs of his incredible creativity yeah. uh, and his design on humanity. And so when I say something like, when I look at you, Mark, I don't see color. Right. Well, then that also means that I can't see the world from your unique point of view. Correct. And because you are African-American, your worldview is different. Yep. You grew up with, and because I'm white, my worldview is different, Correct. and there's, there are pros and cons to both yeah, sides sure, of that. Sure, sure. But you, you've certainly dealt with some injustice and some pain that I, I won't. Right. I just, I won't. Right. And I can't give myself a pass on empathy. Right. You know, my job is to try the very best I can. I'm, I'm not, probably not ever going to fully understand it, but to try to do the best I can to enter your world sure. and see your point of view and I don't, which one of us is supposed to say this? You want, yeah. Uh, me, I guess. <laughs> Let me give you another phrase. Yes. This empathy, empathy never, and this, whether it's an ethnic or racial issue or not, empathy never includes the words get over it. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Like just, just stop. 
Don't go there. Um, it, it, it's another, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost a bulldozing technique that keeps me from having to let my heart wake up yeah. to somebody else's pain. Yeah. Uh, and getting over it, uh, when you say get over it, it's, uh, I think it's, um, it's insensitive um, with regard to some of the you know, systems that are in place in our country that kind of help reinforce the things that we experience on a, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And when you say get over it, like I've had someone say to me, oh, get over it, that was a long time ago. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Not, not in actuality, it wasn't. Right. So, you know, and you know, there's slavery that happened, of course, and that, was, that ended in the 1800s, but it was another 100 years before African-Americans even had the right to vote. So that brings us all the way up to 1965. Yeah. So that's not, not that so far ago. away, that's not so far ago. So, um, so, that, so when you say that, when people say, you know, just get over it, it becomes, you know, offensive and, uh, and, and sensitive when people have those types of remarks and uh, it's just kind of like, wow, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so empathy is a good place to start. Yeah. But we're friends. Yep. If I'm really your friend, mm-hmm. is empathy enough? No, empathy isn't enough. And uh, what needs to happen is that there needs to be a, a next step that takes place. Yeah. And and Paul really uh, puts it plainly, and, and, and I'll read it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. He says, don't look out only for your own interests. He says, but take the interest of others or take the interest in others too. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And what's the attitude that Christ Jesus had? He died for yeah. all of us. You know what? He didn't take his own interest. He looked after, after the interest of every single one of us. And he says, you know what? I'm going to die yes. for them. And so am I asking you to physically die? No, absolutely. But I am asking you to take the attitude of Jesus. And really, you know what that looks like right now? On Saturday morning, you made a phone call we had a conversation and I was able to be free and, and say, hey man, this is how I felt yeah. about you know this situation. This is how I feel about the social media post. This is how I feel about you know the future. So we've got to have you know a conversation about it. And hopefully, you know, today we have the ability that we're modeling it what it looks like, you know, in our friendship so that you can see that not only can it be done, but this is something that actually, you know, should be done. The other thing about, you know, taking this next step and having these conversations is that we've got to create a safe space for these types of conversations. And I'm not just talking about a physical space, but I'm talking about space in our heart. So again, Michael, you've got the freedom that you can say, hey, Mark, you know, here's what I was thinking. Or if you say something that would be inappropriate or kind of edgy or something that I can say, hey, Michael, you probably wouldn't say that. Like, I'm cool. Which is Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 But in another environment that probably wouldn't work well. And you've got to have the confidence that, you know what, it's not going to damage our friendship. There's stuff that's not in this video right now. Because Pastor Mark was like, mm. <laughs> yeah, no. And so I think that um, having these conversations, we have to understand is that people will only risk um, to the degree that they feel safe. Right. And um, so in other words, what I mean by this is that people will only share um, what they really think or, or ask the questions that are really on their heart um, if they don't feel like they're going to be judged. Yeah. 
if they feel like they, uh, that the comments are not going to be uh, insignificant. Right. Or um, in some cases, I know that there are, are Caucasians that will not have this conversation because they don't want to be perceived as being racist. Yeah. So we've got to create safe spaces where people can have these types of conversations. Right. Uh, Jesus did it. And uh, in fact, there's a gentleman by the name of Brian Stevenson. He's an attorney and an activist. And what he says is that we have to, uh, in order to have these conversations, we've got to get proximate. We've got to get close uh, to the people who are suffering. Yep. And if we look at our Bibles, we see that Jesus, there's countless examples of Jesus being close to those who are suffering. He was close to the Samaritan woman. He was close to uh, the woman who was caught in adultery. Think about the story of the Good Samaritan. Like he was close, he yeah. was proximate uh, to people who are suffering. So now when you get close, now you can have these conversations and these conversations, because if I'm honest with you, Michael, when I saw the video of Ahmad, I started losing hope. But when, I had, when you called me, it started to renew my hope yeah. in not only our humanity, but our churches, um, this discussion, what we're doing today, it just totally restored my hope. And sometimes it's gonna take both of us to take some risk. Absolutely. But without risk, there's no reward. Right, yeah. Man, that's so good, that's so powerful. And I think one of the things I said to you in that call, and that's really kind of the last step we wanna give you today, you, you start with empathy and take a next step, yeah. have a conversation. Yeah. And then finally, like, I just settled it in my heart over the weekend. I may not have the biggest platform in the world. I may not have the biggest circle of influence, but whatever I do have, I'm going to use it. Yeah. I'm going to leverage it. Yeah. And you can too. You can use whatever influence you have um, to affirm truth when you find it, to stand up for injustice when you see it, um, to care for someone else who's in a season of pain and hurt, like we, we, we have a responsibility to do this. And that's why I think Jesus says to us in Matthew 5, so let me, this just hit me. Yeah, go for it. Like, <laughs> because we're the church, because of who Jesus is to yeah. us, we're supposed to be able to have this conversation. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and we should be able to have the conversation without yelling yep. or finger pointing yep. or name calling or anger. And when we do, like, I think what we're doing right now, I hope my prayer is that it's an example of what Jesus was asking of us in Matthew chapter five, when he says, you are the salt yeah. of the earth. But what good is it if salt has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It's going to be thrown out. Verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. So I, that's what I'm praying. It's yeah. like, yeah, this conversation would just be a little bit of light. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand or online for everybody to watch where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly yeah. Father. Yeah. Use your influence. Yeah, and I think part of the reason why we are Discover Church, part of the reason why we had a successful launch, part of the reason why our friendship is growing and blossoming uh, part of the reason why I'm here today is because you've used their influence to, to help me, uh, to help us. When we were uh, going to ARC um, with our, you know, crappy, messed up situation, uh, I remember sitting in that room and someone asking, 
you know, hey, do you know Michael Smith in Delaware at True Life Church? And I'm like, yeah. And then they're, they're like, he just vows for you. So you're good, you know, to go through the process. So um, that's what it looks like at, at this level and what we're doing. But it's an example. It's a model for what we need to do in our everyday lives is use our influence, use our platform, use the resources that we have for the benefit of somebody else, to help somebody else to accomplish what their goals and what their dreams are. And and if it's just in the case of a situation like this, just to help a person stay alive, yeah. you know? So, uh, but we don't often look at it that way, but I just think it's important that, um, that we use our influence um, in the right ways to help to stop things like this from happening. Full disclosure, man, mm -hmm. we, we saw, I saw God his anointing on your life as a leader and as a pastor. Mm. And I couldn't wait to, <laughs> to sponsor your church plant because we wanted to hitch our wagon to your, <laughs> to your <laughs> you know, you're going to be our claim to fame one day. So didn't even really have to pray about that one. And, and actually, you didn't know this ahead of time, and I hope this isn't awkward for you, but nope. just we're going to hit pause on the topic for just a second because I just want you to know we still believe in you. Thank and you. we love you and your family a whole bunch. And so um, we're actually going to make another deposit in your life oh. today on video. <laughs> so there's two checks in here. Oh, Jesus. One of them is to you and Monica and your family. We just want to bless you. Oh, and then True Life, hey, we're just going to invest another $1,000 in Discover Church. And it's not, it's not going to do... $1,000 doesn't go very far in the church world. But Discover launched, had a... I was there, a fantastic yeah, yeah, launch yeah. weekend. And then coronavirus <laughs> literally their church is three weeks old and yeah yeah and we go into lockdown and i know that's been a, a hard thing for you to try to lead through yes. and god why <laughs> all of that and i i know i know from what we do a thousand dollars doesn't go that far in the church world but hopefully it just reminds you like we're still with you man oh man i appreciate we still love you nah, thank you glory to god that's beautiful True life, you guys are incredible. <laughs> total, total surprise. I'm like shocked. Like I'm sweating now. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm doing now. So, oh, right. that's amazing. Wow, it's beautiful. So let's wrap this up. I think, I think Satan, his playbook never really changes. Yeah. You know, his plan A is to keep us out of relationship with our Heavenly Father, yeah. right? He doesn't want us to have eternal life. He doesn't want us to experience the life and the hope and the joy that comes from Jesus. And there, maybe you're watching this today and that's where you're at. You do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe it's this situation. Maybe there's other situations going on in your world that the idea of reconciliation or healing or any of that is, seems so far away from your reality. And I'm just telling you, like, the only reason we can have this conversation today is because of who reigns over our hearts, who is the king of our heart. It's Jesus. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, Pastor Mark and I would love to invite you into that. Yeah. Um, I think both of our churches use a church online platform, so you're probably going to see an opportunity right now. You could click a button that says, hey, I'm raising my hand, and I'm saying, I need Jesus. I need to have a relationship with Jesus today. And we would love if you would do that. Maybe you're watching on social media right now. You could, if, you, if you're feeling bold enough, you can put it right there in the comments or you could, you could message our church pages directly and just say, hey, I'm, I'm praying this prayer today to, to bring Jesus into my life and to begin a relationship with him. And Pastor Mark, maybe you could just lead people in a, yeah. 
and a salvation prayer. And Absolutely. Let's just repeat after Pastor Mark. If you're bringing Jesus into your life today and be establishing a relationship with him, why don't you pray this prayer with yeah. us? So right where you are, just bow your head and uh, close your eyes and just repeat after me and say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of the living God and that you died for my sins. And so I ask you now to come into my life, to come into my heart, to save me and to set me free. Today I declare that this day is the first day of the rest of my life. That's it. That's it. That's all you had to do. So awesome. Welcome to the family. Yeah. <laughs> We're so excited about this opportunity to um, welcome you into the family. Michael uh, and I, uh, this is one of our greatest joys is to be able to um, help people start their spiritual journey or even continue on their spiritual journey by establishing a relationship with Jesus and then growing and taking yeah. your next steps. Yeah, it's the highlight of our week. Yeah, it really is. So plan A is to keep you separated from God. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, you know, a whole bunch of you maybe just now fix that issue. Satan's plan B, if he can't keep us from a relationship with Jesus, yeah. is to keep us so jammed up, so paralyzed, so frozen through our own brokenness, through our shame, our guilt, our fears, yeah. or in this instance, yeah. through unforgiveness and anger and injustice. What he wants to do is he wants to keep us apart. Right. He wants right. to divide us. Absolutely. And, um, and so, Pastor Mark, talk, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I think that the um, last thing I'll say about this is that um, don't become insensitive about, you know, the issues that we're having a conversation about today. Because if we become insensitive, then there's no help uh, for those that are hurting. And if we become insensitive and we do nothing, then the perpetrators, uh, it becomes increasingly yeah. worse and worse and worse. So our responsibility as believers, our responsibility, as we talked about, is to uh, take, have empathy, take the next step, and then really um, leverage our influence. And I think that that's so important. And my hope is that because you see it between us, that it can happen on, you know, on every level of relationships. Yeah. I think it's so important. So let me pray for you before we go. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person who's watching this today whether they're uh, a part of Discover Church or True Life Church or maybe no church at all. We don't know where this is going to go or who's going to watch, but we are trusting you to use it. Thank you. And uh, Jesus, you prayed a prayer of unity over your people that, that we would be one. And, um, and so that's our prayer today, that, that you would help us to take those next steps, to, to find empathy and to have some conversations and to kind of settle in our heart that we, whatever influence we do have, we're going to leverage it for what's right and what's good and what's your will. And um, we're not going to be afraid. And, uh, and so, God, I pray that you would, you would bring your people together. We pray for these, this horrible moment that happened in Georgia, this horrible tragedy, that, God, you would somehow take something really evil and do what only you know how to do, and that is leverage it for your good thank you and you can and you will and we just want to be instruments we want to be vessels of that and we thank you for it in jesus name amen amen